Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The puck works its way to Kalorn. And the pass is intercepted by Natchez. He'll leave it back for Ajo. Ajo, he's got a step across to Natchez. And Vasilevsky, and he pitches it wide. Oh, Natchez had a wide open net. And he pitched it just wide, shorthanded. Up top for Pesci. Pesci across for B and his shot. Open net, Teravine, and will backhand it just wide. And the puck will find its way to Kalorn, and he'll airmail it to center oh, it's ice. It's Kalorn keeping the puck into Stamkos, trying to chop it out in front. It goes to the side of the net for Kalorn. Kalorn now wheels in between the rings. He takes a shot and scores! Alex Kalorn with a surprising shot at the top of the faceoff circles. It gets through Alex Nedeljkovic. And the Lightning have taken the lead with 12.51 to go here in this second period, 1-0. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. We are at PNC Arena where the Hurricanes did what the Hurricanes did on Sunday afternoon. They fell to the Tampa Bay Lightning by a 2-1 count. Different route, I believe. Same destination. Tampa didn't generate a ton. 38 shot attempts all night long. Canes had more opportunities, 28 scoring chances to Tampa's 16, but ultimately, not enough. And Carolina loses by the identical score they did in Game 1, and now they head to Tampa Thursday and Saturday, hoping to come back to PNC Arena for a game on Monday. Remains to be seen if Carolina has enough in the tank, and they'll be shorthanded as well, it seems. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. The Canes Corner Podcast is brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company on Hamlin Road in Durham. AluminumCompany.com on the World Wide Web. Don't you know? Uh, if it's for the exterior of your home, you can get it there. Uh, Sammy Han and his crew. Do a great job. All right, so uh, I felt like this game was a little bit different. I didn't think either team was as good tonight as they were on Sunday. We'll hear from the head coach about that in a little bit. And there were two things. Uh, one that stood out to me is that Carolina had chances. They had some good chances, uh, and they didn't bury any of those chances. They did get the goal late with the with the uh, with the net empty, a six on five. Carolina's now gone six periods in a row without a five on five goal. Uh, that I know I'm I'm just a uh, I'm just a country uh, horse owner. Uh, but that is not the recipe to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. You're going to have to score on five-on-five. Five. Neither team's power play did anything tonight. Thought Carolina was good. And matter of fact, Carolina was probably better shorthanded than Tampa was with a power play. Best chance of the night. You already heard that from Martin Natchez. Ajo and Natchez, two-on-one. Honestly, I mean, Mart- uh, Marty's probably going to have a nightmare about that. Uh, yes, I know uh, Andre Vasilevsky 
Uh, looked to me like he was poke checking at Natchez, missed it, and the stick kind of uh, left his hand. Uh, if you want to say that he threw the stick at Martin Natchez, I'm not going to argue with you, but I will tell you this. It didn't impact the shot. Shot's got to go in the net. Didn't go in the net. Uh, we could sit here and whine all day long. Like, I know there were people on the first goal, on the uh, Alex Kalorn goal. Um, initially, uh, Anthony Sorelli and Jacob Slavin were going behind the net for the puck, and Slavin is brought down. Do I think Sorelli tripped Slavin? Not really. Uh, but if you want to say yes, have at it. Anyway, puck stayed in the net, and you heard the goal. Uh, Alex Kalorn. Uh, just kind of uh, remember when Jordan Stahl scored against Nashville from the high slot where he just kind of whipped a shot around with his back to the goal. That's kind of what Kalorn did only from much further out, uh, probably, I don't know, 10 feet short of the blue line. And uh, Ned never saw it. Slavin was fighting with Sorelli in front of the net. And there you go. And it's one nothing Tampa. Tampa wasn't, to me, offensively, not even that great. And it's one nothing, And it's one of those things that just you can feel the air come out of the balloon right there. Carolina had chances. We had the shorthanded chance with Natchez and Ajo. Uh, there was another chance I think you also heard with Tavo Teravainen on the backhand in the third period. Had an open net. It was a sharp angle. But these are world-class players. And Tavo Teravainen is a world-class player. Uh, it doesn't go. And actually, he shot it just wide through the blue, unencumbered. Again, Vasilevsky is down. He had no chance. Uh, if you put it on net, it's a goal. Uh, but it didn't go on net, so it's not a goal. And that's where we are. And that's why it's 2-1 Tampa heading back to Amelie Arena for Game 3. A uh, bunch of things we're going to do tonight. And uh, Alec Campbell will join us in just a few minutes. And we'll talk about the game. All right, so before the game, Cedric Paquette said that what, what one thing Carolina's got to do is they got to be more physical with Tampa. Um, I'm going to respectfully disagree with Cedric Paquette. I don't believe Carolina needs to play more physically with Tampa uh, because they've been physical enough with Tampa. Carolina's playing the game. I mean, Carolina's game is not necessarily to be uh, a throw-your-body-around team. It's a speed team taking advantage of their speed. Uh, and so I don't think it's a, a situation where Carolina's got to be more physical. I mean, they out-hit Tampa for the second straight game. What did it get them? Nothing. Uh, what Carolina has to be is simply more opportunistic, and maybe, maybe, I know it's going to sound weird, but maybe they're just kind of gripping the stick a little bit because they have had chances to score. Uh, they haven't had tons of them. Uh, no, nobody is su suggesting for a second, but they have had more chances to score than the Tampa Bay Lightning have had chances to score. And that's the way the head coach kind of judges whether or not his team played well. Did we have more scoring chances than them? And for the second straight game, the answer is yes. The question is, what do you do with those chances? Does Carolina simply need more chances to score in order to beat Andre Vasilevsky? Maybe. The truth is, is that Carolina didn't uh, finish, didn't connect on a high enough percentage of their high-danger scoring chances all season long. The numbers prove that out. 
Uh, but Carolina generates a ton of chances. So sort of like those of you in sales, it is a volume business for Carolina. The more opportunities you get, the better off that you are. Uh, but they weren't great. They had no high danger chances at all in the third period until they pulled Alex Nedeljkovic. Then they got three. One of them went through. It was Jordan Stahl in front to Andrei Svechnikov right on the doorstep. Uh, and that made it 2-1. And it gave him a chance. There were still 90 seconds left. Then they were a little bit too cute. Uh, a little too, too passy uh, with the puck. Uh, trying to get the perfect opportunity. Part of that also... Tampa getting in shooting lanes, which is what they did, I think, outstanding tonight, as well as they did in game one. Uh, But still, quicker puck movement. And then, just even if you have to throw the puck wide, you're looking for a tip, you're looking for a bounce, you're looking for something. Passing the puck around the perimeter can never, ever lead to a goal. All right, so, as as I mentioned before, you know, people were like, well, you got to get more traffic in front of the net. Yeah, you're right. You do. Uh, I think Carolina at times did have traffic in front of the net, uh, did have some tips that went wide, did have some deflection. Brock McGinn had a great opportunity on a tip chance. Didn't didn't change direction of the puck enough, but he was there. Uh, it doesn't go. So there were opportunities to, uh, to get in Vasilevsky's way, uh, and the puck just didn't find its way through the net. Um, Dougie Hamilton hit a post. Um, you know, there, again, there were chances, there were chances that went awry. Um, but I, I would just say that Carolina was simply imprecise offensively tonight, as was Tampa. Neither team to me, neither team passed the puck worth anything, uh, tonight. Uh, so it was kind of a choppy game. I think Carolina turned the puck over a ton again, just like they did in game one. They, uh, made a bunch of mistakes that was more neutral zone stuff, but 23 giveaways tonight with the puck, uh, so they were not great at all. Uh, and if that kind of stuff doesn't change, then they will not win a game. They might not win a game anyway. And I've heard a lot of, from up here on the fifth floor, I've heard a lot of, well, this reminds me of the Boston series. I mean, I don't know. Um it doesn't remind me of the Boston series uh, because I thought Boston generated more offense. Of course, those first two games were on the road, and then it was a foregone conclusion. I also don't think that Hurricanes team was nearly as talented as this Hurricanes team. Um, Rod Brindamore said that they've proven that they could play with Tampa, but they just haven't gotten the br- the bounces, didn't get a break. Well... I mean, yeah, but I think an honest assessment seems to me to be, well, I'm not sure you got, you really worked hard. Worked hard is not the right word, Uh, but I think you get the breaks you deserve. And I think Rod does too. I think there's part of Rod Brindamore that is kind of running interference for his team. Um, Because if we're being honest, Dave Oteravine did not play a good game tonight at all. Uh, Warren Fogle has struggled in this series mightily. Um, look, they have not gotten enough good performances out of their best players. Um, I thought Ajo was better tonight than he was in Game 1. I actually thought Ajo was fine in Game 1, but I think he was a little bit better tonight. He was clearly frustrated at the end. Um, but ultimately, their best players have been neutralized 
by Tampa's best players. Again, um, the the assignment for Ajo, Teravainen, and McGinn is to deal with Point, Palat, and Kucherov. Second game in a row, five on five. Basically a wash. Uh, but if Carolina doesn't get scoring out of their top line, it's going to be hard for them when they're not getting secondary scoring. And they're not getting any scoring. Again, uh, second straight game, no five-on-five goal. They scored five-on-four with Jake Bean in game one. They scored six-on-five with Andrei Svechnikov in game two. So when I mentioned the failure to cash in, uh, early in the game, Tavo Teravainen has a couple of chances. Uh, one of them probably, oh, I don't know, 15 feet, uh, just maybe just below the faceoff dot, uh, and he uh, he sends it high over the uh, over the shoulder, the glove side shoulder of Vasilevsky misses the net. Uh, then a little bit later on, he has a backhand try that he forks maybe a foot and a half, two feet wide. Those are two very good scoring opportunities uh, that Carolina got nothing out of. Dougie hit a two-on-one with Andrei Svechnikov in the first period, uh, and rather than pass to Svech, and there was the lane to pass, Dougie shot, uh, and I think Vasilevsky had to make a good save on it, uh, but he had an opportunity to get it to Svech, and he decided to shoot. And again, uh, we complain that guys don't shoot, so uh, it's hard to say that Dougie made the wrong play, uh, but there was a pass available. Dougie shot, uh, and I think Vasilevsky looked like he got maybe his shoulder or the shaft of his stick to it. Uh, and Carolina goes begging. Also, Brady Shea comes in with Martin Natchez. Now, this play was going to be offside, uh, but, man, it looked like a great scoring chance. The puck will come free for Brady Shea. Two-on-one for Carolina. Shea and Natchez. Shea looking for Natchez. He'll snap one right on, and Vasilevsky saw it the whole way, and he'll hang on to that puck face-off coming up in the Tampa Bay zone. And as it turned out, the faceoff was outside of the Tampa Bay zone because Natchez was offside on the play, and the uh, the the Lightning were kind of uh, offended that Brady Shea shot the puck after offside was blown. Uh, I didn't hear the whistle for offside. Obviously, Tampa did. Neither did Shea. Neither did Natchez. Uh, I thought Natchez was mad because Shea didn't pass him the puck, and that would have been the play had Natchez not been offside. And I joked, uh, sure, I'm glad that Shea didn't pass the Natchez because uh, they would have disallowed that goal for offside, and then everybody would have been upset. Uh, glad they didn't score. Just kidding, of course. Uh, certainly would rather have uh, the puck go in the net. So you see, oh, look, it can go in on Andre Vasilevsky. So you had uh, the Shea chance with Natchez that was uh, really wiped out because of the uh, the offside. Then you had Natchez and Ajo shorthanded. This is already, it's one nothing Tampa. Tampa's on a power play. Carolina's penalty kill was dynamite. Uh, and this opportunity has to be finished. The puck works its way to Kalorn, and the pass is intercepted by Natchez. He'll leave it back for Ajo. Ajo, he's got to step across to Natchez on Vasilevsky, and he pitches it wide. Oh, Natchez had a wide open net, and he pitched it just wide, shorthanded. Right in front of the net, too. I mean, 99 times out of 100, Martin Natchez puts that in the net, and that's it, and it's 1-1, and you're feeling great about it, and then uh, it, and then it wasn't. Uh Teravina had a backhand try late in the third period. I think the score was still one nothing uh, when uh, it was no. I'm sorry, it was two nothing at that point. Uh, but he had an opportunity 
uh, to backhand one into an empty net. Didn't go. Uh, and then Aho, after Svechnikov made it 2-1, Aho had a whack at the side of the goal, and it almost looked, it's hard to tell if it went off of McDonough's leg and wide, or if Aho uh, hit a stick on his way to the puck and just directed it wide himself. But uh, Sebastian was right there, had an opportunity, and it didn't go. Um, so, question, big question about this is how much is this Carolina and how much of this is Tampa rope-a-doping Carolina? And I think it is in at least 50-50. Some of it is Carolina not being able to generate, I mean, really good chances, rebounds and all of that. And, and But I think a, a lot of that is kind of by design for Tampa. If I had to analyze this series, and I guess that's what I'm doing, I think Carolina's one advantage over Tampa Bay, and it's one that can absolutely be utilized to their advantage, is that I think Carolina can skate Tampa's defense. And you have to get pucks behind Hedman and McDonough and Chernak and all of these guys. And if you do that... I think the only, I mean, I don't even know if Sergachev is a good enough skater uh, to deal with it, but to me, that's their advantage. And I don't think Carolina has really gotten to that. And I wonder if at some point they don't just go dump and chase, throw bodies, and see if you can generate from behind Tampa's goal and out. The one goal tonight at six on five came from Stahl behind the net to Svechnikov in front. That's how they scored. And I don't know if Carolina is going to employ that. They have not been a dump and chase team, uh, but maybe that's the way to get behind Tampa's defense and be effective that way. I don't know. Uh, So I kind of think that Tampa has played a very conservative game, and that's why their chance totals have been low through two games. Again, Carolina's outchanced Tampa more tonight than they did in game one. Uh, but again, I don't think tonight was any better than game one. In fact, I think Carolina probably played a little bit better in game one than they did in game two, uh, at least on the offensive side of the puck. And again, I think Tampa had a little bit to do with that. Uh, quick, Two other quick thoughts uh, before we uh, you know get to Alec Campbell on the other side. First thought, Vincent Trocek uh, came out of the penalty box, connected, uh, collided with Warren Fogle, and uh, left the ice limping, tried to take a shift to start the third period, took one shift, that was that, and went back to the room. Uh, Rod Brindamore, after the game, not optimistic. Yeah, that's probably the negative of the whole thing. It doesn't look good, so I don't know exactly the extent of it at this point, but he obviously couldn't continue, so that's never good. When You know, he, he would play if he could, so... No, that's another challenge that we're going to have to overcome, but uh, you know, I'll know more tomorrow, hopefully. All right, so what does it mean if there is no Vincent Trocek? Well, what it means is Carolina's, one of Carolina's strengths anyway, although not necessarily a strength over Tampa, but one of their strengths, depth down the middle with Ajo, Trocek, Stahl, and then Steven Lorenzo has played well, really goes away. And now... 
either Trocek or Geeky or Paquette has to play in a more expanded role at center. And that is a difficult thing to cover for. Carolina's chance here was to find a matchup among forward lines that they can exploit. And the way that the Trocek line played game one, I really thought, okay, even as good as Tampa is with Sorelli and Kalorn and Stamkos, maybe it's the second line. Maybe it's the Trocek line that could get one. They were the best line on the ice for either team in game one. It didn't wasn't going as well early in game two, and now we'll never know. Because if Trocek can't play, does Steven Lorenz bump up and play third line center? Does I mean some something has to give. I mean, I guess the there is an option. You could move Natchez to center, but he hadn't played center uh in two years. So why would you even do that? Like again, not a ton of great options for Carolina. And this gets us back to the age-old, why didn't they do something at the deadline? I'm not going to belabor it uh, because it's there's no use in going uh, hard in the paint uh, at that now, but it is going to be a conversation later on. No Nino Niederreiter, no Vincent Trocek, and Carolina's, I mean, how many goals is that from your lineup if Trocek can't play? And we know that according to Rod Brindamore, Nino is uh, doubtful for the rest of this series. And the rest of this series may have just two more games in it. 80, almost 81% of the time, uh, when the road team wins the first two games of a series, almost 81% of the time, the road team wins it. Whether it doesn't make a difference how many games, win of any kind, in four, in five, in six, and seven, if you win the first two on the road, you are about 81% successful in advancing through that series. And that's, that's what Carolina is dealing with uh, today from a historical perspective. Now, on the bright side, if you just get one, just one in Tampa, and bring it back here for a game five, then you've got an opportunity to win a game on your ice, and then the pressure shifts to Tampa uh, for a game six. So it's not completely bleak. I'm not going to say, do I do I believe Tampa will win this series? Uh, I do, but I also don't think that this is, uh, you know, a done deal. I, Carolina still has a chance if they can get one in Tampa. Now, if they don't get game three, forget game four. Just forget it. So game three has to be different, but I think there is a plan B for Carolina, and we talked about it earlier. I mean, it's it's not pretty, but I think this is the way Carolina can be effective. Just like Tampa isn't playing a pretty band, brand of hockey, Tampa's got four goals in two games. One of them is a trash goal. The other is uh, a seeing-eye shot, and the other is... Uh, one is a deflection, and uh, the other one is a, a a breakdown by Brady Shea, who couldn't stop Anthony Sorelli. And we'll go through the goals in a, in a second. All right, so we talked about the Trocek injury. No good options to add to the lineup. Now, Alex Nedeljkovic. Um, I think Ned was very good, apart from a couple of bad goals uh, against Nashville. 
Uh, we can even say he was excellent against the Predators, apart from a couple of bad goals, a couple of poor decisions or reads on his part. He allowed the terrible goal that ultimately cost them the game on Sunday. Ned did not allow a bad goal tonight. I will say that he was probably too deep in his net on the Sorelli goal that made it 2-0. I don't think he's at fault for the first goal. That's simply a uh, a shot that he never saw. Uh, and uh, Tampa had a battle in front with Sorelli and Slavin that um, you know, prevented Ned from seeing the shot, and it just snuck through between the pad and the post. If, if you want to bang him for it, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. But I will say this. I don't think Ned has been so great that we will not see Peter in Game 3. I will be surprised if Peter Morazic does not start Game 3. And maybe this is, I'm not going to say the spark Carolina needs, but I do think you have to try something. And to me, that's one thing that Rod Brindamore can try. Uh, there are different tactical things they can do. I still believe that they need a top line that is more dynamic, more dangerous. And Aho, Teravainen, and Svechnikov, even though I don't believe any of them have played to the best of their abilities, uh, I think they probably need something like that, if for no other reason to make it difficult on Tampa. Because Carolina apart from the first period in game one, and that was mostly, not mostly, it was a lot of it was the Trocek line. Um, Carolina has not been awesome offensively. I thought their fourth line early was their best line tonight. And then they lost the fourth line because they lost their second line center. So I do think we'll see Peter Morazic in game three in Tampa on Thursday. Uh, I think it's proper. Um, Ned has... Ned hasn't been bad, but Ned hasn't been great, and they needed Ned to be great tonight. Ned needed to be the first star for Carolina tonight, and part of it is Tampa didn't throw a lot of shots at him. Again, Tampa had 16 scoring chances, just 16 garden-variety scoring chances all night. And uh, so I think Tampa kind of just uh, played a little rope-a-dope and figured that they'd be able to scratch out one, maybe two, and that would be enough, and that's exactly what happened tonight. So we'll take a short break and come back. Alec Campbell will join us on the other side. Canes fall 2-1. They trail the series 2-0. And remember that the Canes Corner podcast is available every morning after a Hurricanes game. And hopefully we'll have more than two more of these. uh, Because frankly, I don't know what I will do it all the time. Uh, But you can follow us wherever you get your podcast. You rate us, review us. uh, Let us know what you think. Alec Campbell will join me. Next. That game one, I thought if we weren't the better team, we were close. We certainly had more scoring chances. I don't know what they were tonight. I'll have to go look, but it felt like a very similar game from my standpoint. So what more can you do, right? Like, yeah, we're going to try to tweak some things and get better here and there and, you know, adjust a little bit. But, you know, if you have said to me, we're going to give up 15 shots in 20, two games against Tampa Bay Lightning, I'd probably say, oh, really? You know, that's pretty good. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of positives here. Uh, unfortunately, we're down to nothing. That's the negative. But, you know, like you said, we'll take one game at a time here and see how it goes. My man, Alec Campbell, Stormwatch Aftermath, Hurricanes Radio Network. You know, you were on satellite radio tonight. 
Yeah, no. It's the only game, uh, only game in the NHL. The entire world. I'm usually on satellite radio. Oh, are you? Yeah, when the Hurricanes play. Uh, because the way satellite, well, at Sirius XM, you can go find the game. Oh, anywhere on a, on, a, on a channel on the NHL channel, but you were you were on the NHL channel. Tonight, oh, okay, cool. Uh, which means that I was too, which is a mistake. Sweet. All right, let's uh, let's get to this. Rod Brindamore, as I as we came back, I had played the uh, I played the clip. Uh, Brindamore feels like this game was very similar to Game One. I mean, they're both two one. There was maybe a preventable goal here tonight. I thought maybe the second one, Ned might have been a little deep in his uh, in his crease. Either way. Um, I didn't feel like this was as good a game for Carolina as game one. I didn't think Carolina was, they were okay tonight, but I think, and I, I think the same about Tampa, by the way, I didn't think either team was as good as they were in game one. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably what he's referring to is I, I don't think when you look at this game, you see any one real glaring thing that stands out that Carolina did terribly. I think it was a competitive game in the sense that neither team, I mean, I didn't think either team looked like they were dominant over another one. Right. You know, and I think that is similar to game one, minus the the soft goal Ned gave up in that game. I mean, I think it's two pretty even hockey teams. Like, I don't feel like Carolina is outmatched necessarily in this series. I thought that both teams were equally sloppy at times. I thought that neither team was giving up much ice tonight. I thought it was difficult to, to get good opportunities. But for both teams, I mean, Tampa only ended up with 15 shots on goal. Carolina allowed 6-5-4, and four, respectively, in yep. the first, second, and third periods. High danger chances tonight in all situations were 10-9. Carolina had more scoring chances tonight. So when I look yep. at it, I think it's similar in the sense that Carolina got scoring opportunities they just didn't capitalize on any of them. I mean, I go back to the first period. Tavo Teravainen whizzes one over the net early. Yep. Uh, Jordan Stahl had a puck jump his stick on a great feed from Andrei Svechnikov. Mm-hmm. Sebastian Ajo tries to go short side high and misses over the net. Uh, Cedric Paquette had one, re- uh, had one redirected by Mikhail Sergachev. Mm-hmm. So there were situations where Carolina had opportunities. Then you get to the second period – and the the picture of the game for me is going to be the two-on-one shorthanded chance, Vasilevsky down, out, and flailing, and Martin Natchez not able to get it in the back of the net. Who knows back what happens? Right. Who knows what happens in the game if Natchez ties the game late in the second at that point? And then right after that is when the Fogel and Trocek collision happens. So... I agree with Rod. Like I don't, I don't really have much problem with what I saw from Carolina tonight. There are parts of me who wonder if this was Tampa baiting Carolina in a lot of ways. Like it kind of felt like maybe they controlled the game a little more than we want to give them credit for. Like maybe this was their their play the whole time was just to kind of. I don't know. We let, talked about let it. Let Carolina do some stuff. This and... has been a little rope-a-dopey for me. Like, Tampa allowing... like you, You're not allowing Carolina to punch themselves out because that doesn't, that doesn't exist in hockey. In boxing, it can. And that's what Ali did for you know a lot of his career. Well, also, he, Carolina's right. a team that takes a lot of shots. I mean, that's, the, that's what they do. They do. Um, and there was some traffic tonight. But what there wasn't enough of was... Uh, rebound opportunities 
right. for Carolina. And part of that is Vasilevsky. Part of that is Tampa's strategy to do, in, in a similar way, what Nashville did, which is keep Carolina away from the front the of the outskirts, goal. yeah. Right. And to me, what you said there is something I said in the beginning of the podcast, was that I don't know if this is more Carolina mm-hmm. or if this is more Tampa dictating how Carolina was going to play. Right. And I think it's probably 50-50 for me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been I think it's been pretty even. I think we'll probably get a better feel for it when Carolina goes down to Tampa and we see how they play in front of the home crowd because there's the thing people say all the time, the playing a good road game, right? Which That's to, what Tampa did two to games me, in a row. Essentially means don't screw it up. Right. Right? It's like play a little bit conservative, mm-hmm. pick and choose a little bit. You know, the focus is more on keeping Carolina off the board than it is for you to get on the board. Why would Tampa change that? Especially when you're going to get a goal like what they got from Alex Kalorn. I mean, like, that was a gift, right? Right. So, at that point... Did you think that was a bad goal to for Ned, or was that just no, an I unfortunate... I thought it was unfortunate. I mean, he... Never saw it, right? Never saw it. Jacob Slavin and Anthony Sorelli kind of battling in front provided a little bit of screen... And the puck sliding along the ice, you know, uh, there wasn't, I don't think there was much of a sound made when he shot it. So I think it was literally a prayer that I don't think Ned thought would be, I don't even think anyone thought there would be a shot there. No. Remember the stall goal? I said this before, the stall goal in Nashville where he sort of, he was, he had his back to the goal and he just, because with his long reach, he just kind of whipped it around and it stayed, stayed low on the ice. And Saros never saw the shot. Mm-hmm. To me, it was the same thing. Kalorn really had his back to the goal, kind of just uh, you know wheeled around. And I mean, he was deep. He was probably ten feet Dude. inside the blue line. Yeah. Uh, and there was only one battle in front. It was Slavin and Sorelli. And Ned was kind of you could see him pe- trying to peer out like behind through legs, yeah. uh, and he never saw the shot. It it didn't beat him five hole. It beat him just just to the to the I guess to the wide side sort of. So I mean, Kalorn was sort of in the middle of the ice, uh, but look to me, it was just an unfortunate goal. Not, I'm not going to say a lucky goal because Kalorn threw it on net for a reason. So yeah, I mean, for as much as we talk about too much stuff coming from the outside for Carolina, I mean, at the end of the day, stuff happens. Things can happen, and if you put the puck on net, right? And and so far, Tampa has gotten that that side of the fortune with right. those types of things. I mean, even the second goal, good play by Hedman on the pass. Sure. But it is a little bit of a fortunate bounce in terms of it goes, I think it went off Sorelli's skate first. Right. And it's kind of bouncing around. Shea can't get it out. And the puck ends up in a fortunate position for Sorelli to take it in. So, well, I, I thought know, Brady the, Shea misplayed that. I mean, he, he probably should have played the body a little bit more or just, right, he, just simply, he also whiffed on the puck just simply whacked maybe it out maybe twice yeah he wh- he definitely whiffed on it one time but either way the puck ends up right on Sorelli's stick right. so you know things go your way sometimes they don't go your way the other other times carolina's been on the wrong end of 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 that stuff but at the end of the day i mean i just don't think there's a whole lot of I just don't think there's a whole lot of difference between the two teams, the way they're playing, the the effort level, the chances, the the opportunities. I mean, I think it's been two pretty even games 
all said and told. Um, so we'll see we'll see what happens in Tampa. I mean, look, your backs are against the wall now. You ain't got nothing to lose. You got to relish the opportunity to piss some people off down there, right? Right. Um, I I think the games played out even, right? Mm-hmm. The what we saw were th- th- nobody had a real advantage here, but I do think that part of that is Tampa's strategy to kind of let Carolina just counterpunch. Yeah, I buy that. Right, I buy that. Um, and I don't know if if I'm Tampa, I'm not sure I change that. Because it has worked for you twice. Um, and maybe you wait until Carolina cashes in. Because again, as you said, and we talked about it, we talked about it after game one, and we talk, I talk, already talked about it. Plenty of opportunities to score. Mm-hmm. You know, Dougie, Dougie and Svetch, two on one in the first yeah. period, get nothing out like, of it. Dude, some of these right? chances aren't even on net. Right. Like, I mean, not all of them. I, I understand, like the Ahu try. Aho was Tavo. trying to get short, uh, you know, yeah. uh, over the shoulder, short side. Fit one. He was trying to fit one in there to a tight spot, uh, so he missed the net. Tavo, you know, Tavo was trying to go wide side, uh, missed everything, missed way high. Um, yeah, they had chances. The Natchez one. I mean, I don't know if Marty's going to sleep tonight because that was yeah. that was a that was a a, a bunny right. uh, that he just kind of shoveled uh, shoveled wide. All right, no Trocheck. Yeah. Now what? Uh, we don't know if Trocek's not going to play, yeah. but he didn't come back and play the third period. It's not like they've got three days off. Uh, so assuming no Trocek Thursday, what do you got? I don't know, man. I don't know what you do. I don't. I mean, you bring Geeky back in the lineup. Oh, I think he's the he's probably the next guy in. Yeah. Do you do you? I mean, I was asking Trip. Like, do you go just eleven and seven? Why? I mean, just because you're only going to use so many forwards anyway. So right, but I got to put my best twenty guys on the ice. Yeah, I got to put my, or eighteen. You can't play all twenty. I got to put my best eighteen skaters on the ice. I don't know that there's a. Def- See, this is the problem uh, with Carolina's depth or lack thereof right now. Is that? I mean, what's the? I got the impression that Rod would have made a lineup change, and he, he, did, when I asked him that today. I asked him about, because I asked him about the potential for lineup changes, and he actually said, I mean, what are my options? Mm-hmm. So he, he, he knows what isn't there. If there was a player better than Jake Bean, he'd be playing. Yeah. So they don't have an option who's better than Bean. Um, they, look. Well, how, it, much, how much does Morgan Geeky give you? I think Morgan Geeky could give you a little bit of offense, but I'm I'm not arguing that they have any good options there either. Yeah. Is my point. Um, and for all year long, for the most part, with health, they've been pretty fortunate. Trocheck missed a bunch of games, and it kind of exposed uh, what they don't have behind Aho and Stall mm-hmm. in the middle. Stephen Lorenz is a nice player. I'm not knocking Stephen Lorenz, uh, but if Stephen Lorenz has to play uh, as a three C. In this series, that's going to be a problem against Anthony Sorelli, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I honestly, this is a very difficult position for the Hurricanes when you're going to go Ajo, Stahl, Lorenz, and Geeky in the middle, right? Or are they going to put Paquette back Cedric Paquette back yeah, in the middle? That's what I would do, actually. Right? I mean, they are really behind it against this team going there, like. 
it could get messy. I would probably, I would probably bump, I would probably bump uh, Lorenz up and just have Paquette center the fourth line. Like I, I mean, honestly, if you're going to leave Paquette on the fourth line, then I would just assume let Geek, because I think Geeky actually is a pretty good center. Then I'd let Geeky center it, mm. uh, but I don't think it really matters at that point. Um, yeah. But because the issue now becomes against their top three lines. Steven Lorenz has to play center against whether it's Yanni Gord, and I still think that the matchup that uh, John Cooper wants is that Gord line against the stall line. Um, so, and it, it might not matter, man. I mean, Steven Lorenz is going to be yeah, I mean, I guess uh, in it. The way that I think of Paquette is just that's his, that's his natural position is playing center. So... And he's got the, the pelt, you know, the experience. He knows the other team. Maybe that's an advantage. I don't know. So, I just because Geeky wasn't centering when he was playing. He was playing on he the played wing. Some. Played, played some. Played some, but most yeah. of the time he was playing on the wing. Yeah, because they they had determined that Lorenz so, was better at center and yeah. better in the middle. So, just go back to that. That's fine. Let Either Paquette way, center the fourth line. Move Lorenz up. I guess. I mean, listen. It's not great. No, no. It's like I said, it it doesn't really matter what the fourth yeah. line looks like. Yeah. The, the The problem is that Steven Lorenz has to play against either Yanni Gord or Anthony Sorelli. Yeah. That's cool. that to me is where the issue is. And if you're Cooper, you can because you get last change, you can always decide. You know what? We want Point Palat and Kucherov. Yeah. Whenever Steven Lorenz comes over the boards, we're sending those guys out. And that, I mean, as good as as good as Stephen Lorenz's future may be for Carolina, that's that's a potential. If if you don't have Trocheck, no doubt about it. I mean, I've said it all year long at full strength this year, we probably never see Stephen Lorenz. Oh, right? we don't well, see Morgan Geeky. Like these are these are people that you know, good for them. They've gotten mm-hmm. opportunities, and in Lorenz's case, he's looked pretty good. But you know. It, wouldn't have been the case otherwise. No. Um, Ned or Peter Thursday? I mean, I don't, I, again, don't think Ned's really done anything to lose the job. So I'm, I think we're going to see Ned again. I think we're going to see Peter. And here's why Ned had to be their best player tonight. And I don't think he was bad, but I think he was too deep on Sorelli's goal. Just a my my view of it, um, and I think Ned had to come up with a little bit more tonight. And Peter hasn't played, and maybe it's maybe it's too late for Peter to play because to me that would be the argument against not putting Peter in that he hasn't played in now what three weeks, mm-hmm. and maybe you just go well I can't give a guy I can't send a guy out there who hasn't played in three weeks. To me, that's the argument. Because I don't think through two games uh, that Ned has Ned has been good, but I don't think Ned has been so good that you can't take him out. That's my feeling. I think I think Rod will go to Peter. Um, I don't think he loses the game either way. I don't think the goaltender for this team. I've I've said this for years now. I, Ned has been great. I don't think they win or they lose based on who's in goal. 
I think they win or they lose based on the way the guys play in front of them. So. I'd roll with Ned. I think Ned was fine tonight. He was solid for me. I had no problem with Ned tonight at all. I mean, yes, come up, come up with a big save. But I thought he come up, he came up with a few. I mean, he only faced fifteen shots right. tonight, so relatively. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't. Again, I didn't think that Tampa really generated a ton tonight. I don't think they generated as much. You know, any they didn't. more than Carolina did. They just no. They had thirty-eight shot attempts all night. Yeah, so that I is mean, an incredibly low yeah. total for Tampa. To me, Ned Ned was such a is almost almost an afterthought in the game. Like he just, I've I'd go back to him. I don't think I and I think I, I think Rob right. will go back to him. You may be right. Um, just I don't know, Peter. I, I keep going back to the way Rod now, has the, viewed Peter. The other thing you have going for you with Peter, though, is that you've got the chip, the chip on chip on your shoulder, man. Here's yeah. your opportunity. Go yeah. out there and make you know make plays. So there's that too. Just whichever one shows up, right? Is it Rusty Peter or is it Chip <laughs> Peter? Um, it could be both. Nobody likes a Rusty Peter <laughs> or or a chipped Peter or a chipped Peter. That's in in many ways, more uh, one leads to the yeah. other, is yeah. probably uh, is probably the thing. Um, well, Carolina didn't change any tactic going into the third period, and I I kind of thought, and you and I have talked about this before. I think the way Carolina can attack Tampa will make this our last thing before we go. The way Carolina can attack Tampa, I think, is to get behind their defense, mm-hmm. because as great as they are. There's not a lot of elite skaters at this stage. Hedman's banged up, so a little slow. There was a play this tonight when before Trocek got hurt, where Trocek, I mean, was twice as fast as Hedman getting to a puck behind the net. Um, so McDonough's also not elite skating at this point. Uh, I don't know who is a great skater right now on their back end. I don't think they have any great skaters. What they have are outstanding players. I'm not taking anything away from Hedman or McDonough. I like Chernak. Uh, when Savard draws back in, and I assume he will, uh, I think he's uh, a, a good player, but not a great skater anymore. I was kind of surprised that we we didn't see where we haven't seen more just dump the puck in and go bang and try to use your speed and physicality to get behind Tampa's defense. I wonder if we'll see some of that. In Tampa, because the passing has certainly not been precise. Yeah, I think at this point it's simplify a little bit more. But I also think Tampa was kind of good in terms of their defense of that play. I mean, especially early in the game, like I thought they were right there for Carolina. Like part of the problem was just they weren't. There was no room. I mean, Carolina couldn't get around them. They were right on top of the play every single time. So, yeah, I, don't, I have no problem with going to that strategy. I mean, Carolina just, they hadn't been, they hadn't been great carrying the puck Mm-mm. through the neutral zone or over the blue line. There's almost, part of the thing that plagues this team a lot is that they're too unselfish. And I th- feel like I've said this a lot. Like, I'd rather more straight line play at times than, you know, trying to 
execute your way through the neutral zone and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So Nothing's more simple than throwing the puck yeah, in the corner and th- going to yeah, get it. Give me a cross-corner dump every once in a while, right? <laughs> nice. Give, give me all those You things. want a good hard give rim. Give me a hard rim. And a cross-corner right. dump. Give me a hard rim, a cross-corner dump, all those things. I'm good with all that. And then chase it down and forecheck. Right, that's kind of the, the the bread and butter, the mo that Rod Brindamore always wants. Anyways, that's what we we. I don't think we've seen a ton of that from this team in this series, uh, and I think it would go a long way because I do think that if they're going to have, if there's one place that they do have an advantage, it's Carolina's forwards' speed against Tampa's D, as good as Tampa is. Yeah. Um, the other, yeah. Well, I was going to say the other place is down the middle. You know, but now without Trocek, that's severely... Yeah, I don't know that they have. By the way, the uh, team that won the faceoff battle lost the game. We are now 10 for 10 on the season. Carolina won the faceoff battle in games one and two, although not by a lot. And they lost the game. Yeah, it was kind of a... It was just a weird game tonight. Like, it was kind of subdued. Like, for a long time... Like, I didn't think there was a whole lot of action. Like... No. I can't tell if it was just... It was a low-event game. it was poorly played or if it was just tight on both sides. Like, if they were both just... Maybe they were really good. I think Carolina, <laughs> Defensively. Had, Carolina had 23 giveaways tonight. Okay. Um, they didn't pass the puck very well. Right. And some of those ended up as giveaways. That's why I say, I didn't think Carolina was that good tonight. Yeah, they, they weren't, but neither was Tampa. So, no, I... But... but what I keep falling back is that I think Tampa's low shot total, low mm. attempt, yeah, tells you a lot about their approach tonight. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because, again, I don't think Carolina was so good with the puck that they were the ones who caused Tampa to just kind of, to, to not shoot, basically shoot at all. 38 shot attempts. Mm. We're talking about 13 shot attempts per period. Yeah. It's just, that's just, that's a low, that's a really low number. So I I think that was sort of Tampa's strategy, just kind of figure out a way to get one, yeah, and just see what Carolina was going to do. But you know the truth the truth is that it shouldn't have worked because Carolina should have scored two, yeah. three, couple goals, right? Sure. And then for a minute there, I thought Rod was not going to pull Ned. It did. He didn't pull Ned until one forty left. Now there was uh, there was a, a time where he couldn't do it, but with like. Under three, when you're down two, I think, well, that's the time you want to do it. Carolina had the puck in the offensive zone. Ned's still in the front of the net. One place I thought Carolina was really good tonight was their PK. That their P, their penalty there was dynamite. Kill. Their penalty kill was great. Tampa never set up. Yeah, They never set up. There's only two opportunities, right? right? No, we talked about the chance they got in the two-on-one, but, I mean, Tampa never has, set up. has a dynamite power play, and they never yep. got anything out of it. All right. Let's uh, let's hope we come back here for a game five. I'm not even going to make any predictions. I made my predictions about that already. It does. It's not good. Hey man, it's not good. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe there's less pressure now down 0-2 on the road, and you you just get to go down there and piss people off. Like here, I think there's something to be said for that. Here's the one thing I'll say. Because they have game five here. All you need to go to do to do in Tampa is get one. Mm-hmm. Just get one. Let your fans see you play one more time. That's that should be the entire goal. By the way, if you don't get Game Three, it ain't gonna happen in Game Four. Uh, so go win Game Three. Yeah, and bring it and just just get it back here, and then whatever happens happens. 
But at least you have a fighting chance if you can bring it back for Game 5. I'm not worried about 4 and 5 because I don't think that's the proper way to think about it. I think it's just about getting one. Yes. You get one, and then you see what happens. And that's what Rod said after the game. Um, Anything else to add? I don't want to know your stars. I don't do stars when the Hurricanes don't win. Nothing to add. It's hard to give stars tonight. Um, So, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's just a... It's just the like PK you said, like you said I think low event game is yeah. the right way to say it. Like it just the the I didn't think the building really ever got going either, and that's because of that. They're just wait a second. I thought the fans get the players going. No wait, I thought the players get the fans going. Which one is it? Yeah. Which one is it? It's a chicken or egg situation, man. Like the chicken gets the fans going. Fans. The players get the eggs going. I think the fans tried, but it just they're they're just at you know after a while it, it becomes like okay well there's there's not really a whole lot happening here, so right. Uh, all right, it's weird. It's Go weird. home. I'm going to do the same. All right, we'll do this again for game uh, three on S- Thursday. Sounds good. See you tomorrow. All right, this is the uh, the Canes Corner podcast. If it's uh, for the exterior of your home, you can go to the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. There's no place like it. Sammy Hanna and his crew do a great job. Siding, roofing, windows, entry doors, storm doors, they've got it online. Free no obligation estimate, aluminumcompany.com. We're out of here. Canes lose 2-1, trail in the series 2-0. Uh, we'll talk to you. Thir- yeah, nil. I said nil. Uh, we'll talk to you. The next fixture is uh, Thursday. Uh, I'm Adam Gold. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sportsfan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.